I've come to understand that my worldview is very different from these binary worldviews. And for the longest time, I thought that something was off with me because I couldn't fit into these conversations neatly. Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica Kumar. In 2006, I first came to India for work and basically never looked back. My journey took me through learning Hindi, living in multiple parts of India, and after a few years, I got my life The Invisible India podcast isn't just a place where I share about being married to an Indian, being a foreigner in India, the language learning process, and cross-cultural parenting. But it is a platform to highlight the lesser-known aspects of Indian culture by featuring stereotype-breaking Indians making waves in society. So chaliye, headphone lagake suniye hamare saath. Greetings and namaste to everyone. Jessica here. Super glad to be with you from Los Estados de Unidos, the United States of America. It's true. We are here at the moment. We came for a couple months. We will be here for a bit and back to India it will be. Some exciting news from India is that tourist visas should be opening very soon. I am not exactly sure when they're opening. I've heard conflicting information on that, but it should be really soon. And free tourist visas will be issued until March 31st, 2022, or the first half million foreign tourists will be issued a visa free of cost. Whoever applies on March 31st, 2022, whichever comes first. So hey, if you've ever been thinking about going to India, now is the time. This week I am thrilled to welcome Kevin Wilson, the CEO of Chai. <laughs> For real though. He is a Christian pastor, creator, author, and TikTok influencer, although I'm pretty sure he would cringe at that label, influencer. Kevin originally hails from Sri Lanka, but his story includes lots of twists and turns, including his own cross-cultural marriage and living in the US. We talk about cultural adaptation, identity, shifting worldviews, and of course, chai. So grab a mug of something warm and join us. Thank you everyone who has been reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. As promised, here is a recent one. Remember, if you write in a review on Apple Podcasts, I will read it aloud on an upcoming episode. So here we go. This is from Mary or Mari on Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I was adopted from India to the United States and I started following Jessica for Hindi content. I recently listened to her podcast on adoption and was impressed at the attention to detail in honoring the truths from different perspectives of adoption. This podcast really gives voice to the complexity of the intercultural identity and for that I'll be a forever listener. Thank you. <laughs> I love getting these. This is so encouraging to me just to hear how people feel affirmed, how people feel um seen. or that their story has somehow been connected with. So please keep writing us, keep reviewing on Apple Podcasts. That's such a help to us to know what kind of content people are liking and what kind of content is really helping and touching people's lives. Since tourist visas are opening, I want to highlight my favorite in-person program for Hindi learning, Launch India. 
For those of you who have not heard of Launch India, it is a Hindi-Urdu language and orientation service offering online and in-person language sessions using an immersive and relational approach called the GPA, which is Growing Participator Approach. This is very similar to how I learned. They offer flexible scheduling. Phase one has over a thousand keywords and phrases and in as little as two hours a day for 12 weeks. If you're doing the in-person option, they also have housing available, furnished apartments in Delhi for long or short-term stays to make the most of your in-person learning options. Again, I always say the best way to learn is immersion. This is one of the best programs that I have found and have seen several people who completed this program that have done extremely well in their language learning process. So I highly recommend Launch India. You can get 10% off your first 100 hours of language session. If you mention the Invisible India podcast, you can email them. Their website is Launch in dot in or you can also go to my website invisibleindiapodcast.com slash offers and all the information is there including the link to their site happy learning so thrilled visas are back open and we can all continue on exploring india together Chalit. So Kevin, I just wanted to get to know a little bit more about you and kind of the the man behind the TikTok. You do tell quite a bit about yourself and about your story, but we wanted to hear that again, kind of in a you know sequential way, and we can hear it all at once um, rather than in like one minute blurbs. Which I've watched probably all of your TikToks in one minute blurbs, but let's hear it all together. Like, tell us where where you're from um, and kind of a little bit of your journey growing up, and then how you came to the States. And, uh, of course I want to hear a bit in there, like your love for chai, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I was born in Sri Lanka. I lived there till I was about 12 years old. During that time, my parents, uh, were working in, in Oman at the time. More specifically, my mom was working in Oman. So my dad, my sister, and myself, we went to Sri Lanka with the extended relatives and family members. And when I was about 12 years old, we we moved to Oman. My mom worked out the papers for us to actually immigrate there. And uh, and yeah, so for the next so till I was 18, I was I was living in Oman. Growing up was interesting, you know, cuz I, I had a very multicultural experience from the time I was born. Uh, we are Tamil, we speak Tamil in, in Sri Lanka, but then we were also surrounded by Sinhalese friends and relatives. When we moved to Oman, we went to a country that was majority Muslim. Pretty much all my life, uh, I would say, the, you know, the first two thirds of my life, uh, I can't think of a time where I was not surrounded by a different culture or a group that spoke a different language other than myself. So from Oman, we were working on the green card, my parents and my family. And at the time, the U.S. government had this a program called the DV-1 Visa Green Card Lottery Program or something like that, where they were they wanted to maybe increase the diversity quota of the United States. And so I think this was the way their way of uh, opening up their borders, I, mm-hmm. I suppose. And so the way it works is you apply as... Uh, even though you apply as a family, you get accepted as you, you get considered as single applications, single applicants, which means that if, for example, my mom's application got picked, my dad probably mm-hmm. won't. And so what actually happened in my situation was that my application gets picked and uh, my out of all four of us, 
And so I went from not knowing what to do uh, with my life to, to within a few months, just packing my bags and coming over to the States at 18 years old. So that was my first time away from, from home, from family, from everything that, uh, that looked familiar. Uh, that was familiar to me. And, uh, I landed in Maryland with two suitcases and a backpack, a couple of hundred dollars in my pocket, and just trying to figure out what to do next. To make the long story longer, uh, I applied to a bunch of colleges in, in Maryland. I wanted to be a pilot, so I applied to all flight schools, and my grades were not that good. I applied to then, out of sheer desperation, I applied to some Christian colleges in the area, uh, because my parents kept telling me, "Hey, you know, you'd be good. You'd be a good pastor. This and that." And uh, I'd never wanted to be a pastor. Like that's not something that I wanted to do. We grew up in a pretty religious home. Um, on my parents, uh, uh, Adventist, some of the Adventist Christians, and so we grew up in a Christian home. So out of sheer desperation, I applied, and that's where I got accepted. The school was uh-huh. in Michigan, so I moved to Michigan. And for the next four and a half years, I was studying theology, and that's where I graduated. Uh, with the theology degree. Over there is when I met my wife, then my girlfriend, now my wife. We got married. I went through seminary, which is grad school for pastors. Finished that and then came to San Diego, California to find work here. So currently I'm in San Diego, California uh, with, uh, you know, my wife and no kids, but just two fur children, two cats. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, we've been here for about uh, four years. Yeah, it's crazy. Four years. And so that's kind of my professional uh, mm-hmm. background. And so, yeah, I go by the name cross-culture Christian, you know, because I think f- from the time I started to put stuff online, uh, that was probably during my high school years, I had uh, this blog. I wanted to kind of call myself something different than Kevin Wilson. And part of the reason was because when people, when I say my name and people hear me or t- look at me, they're like, wait, you don't, you don't look like a Kevin Spencer Wilson. <laughs> and, uh, and we can get into all of that. You know, mm-hmm. we can talk about the significance of names and all of that stuff if we need to. Yes. So I wanted to find a way to differentiate myself from, from Kevin Wilson, even though I'm not ashamed about my name or anything. But mm-hmm. the closest thing that I came mm-hmm. to was cross-culture mm-hmm. Christian which I think is kind of this brand mm-hmm. uh, or moniker that represents my love for cross-cultural dialogue, cross-cultural interaction, my affinity, my worldview, which is Christianity, or more specifically, you know, following the teachings of Jesus. And so that's kind of the the brand that I gave myself. It's under that particular brand that I started to create content online from the time I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then then eventually we come to TikTok, but then we can talk about that uh, later. Yeah. yeah. You're you're really exactly you fit the bill for third culture kid, mm. right? You've um, been and, and basically that is you know somebody that's growing up around multiple cultures who may or may not be in the culture of their parents. For us, we have a somewhat similar situation. My kids would also be considered third culture kids, although we are living in their father's culture here in India. We have a bit of a third culture in our home because you have to create some sense of you can't be fully Indian, nor can you be fully American when you're living in such a two contrasting uh, worldviews clashing together. So I can definitely relate. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I'm drawn to your content is there's so much there, which I can relate to as far as uh, the sense of belonging, a sense of the way that you observe other people and the way that you observe the world around you 
is really unique. Like growing up as a third culture kid, how did that form your identity? Because you're Sri Lankan, but then you're also a bit of a minority in Sri Lanka, being from a Christian Seventh-day Adventist family. Then on top of that, you move to Oman, where then you're again a further minority. You move to the United States, where again, you're what people would think about a South Asian person, stereotype about a South Asian may not fit who you are either, like you've just suggested. So they might look at you and expect, oh, he's an Indian guy, Ram Krishna Gopalan. And you're like, not exactly. So I just want to talk a little bit, like if you can elaborate on your, on your, uh, I know this is a big question, it's like, tell me about your identity, but we'd love to hear a bit more on how you formed that. Yeah, that's a big question. And that's a, in many ways, I think I'm still trying to understand and process what that means to me, especially right now, I'm in my 30s. And I just feel like it's just not, it not, was not until like the last five years or so where I've really, uh, I've been able to kind of put some uh, identity pieces on these, on these hooks, on these placeholders that I've, that I've uh, obtained over the last few years. It hasn't been easy. Have, very few times felt like I fit in places. Very, very few places. I made a TikTok about this recently where I talked about my experience as a third culture kid. And I said that for me, home is not in places, but home is in people. And I think I'm sure you can relate <laughs> to that uh, in, in in some ways as well. Yeah. And I've never felt like a location was home for me. Hmm. I never felt like that. I can't think of a time. Even Sri Lanka, I mean, uh, even though I was born there, a home in Sri Lanka is, again, determined by the people there. If my party, which my grandmother, wasn't there, if my, my city, that's my aunt, um, is wasn't there, if my thumbies, my brothers, weren't, weren't there, won't be home anymore. But if they are here, now it's home. So home is in people, not in places. For most of my life, I felt that my story was a liability and not an asset. Because I found myself like explaining myself or explaining who I am mm. to people. And that mm -hmm. was exhausting. Sure. Um, whenever people ask me where I'm from, you know, that's a loaded question for me. Like, how, <laughs> do, how do you give How do you give an answer? How do you give it? Like, when people ask you where you're from, like, how would you give an answer? From, and I'm sure different people respond to it differently. But for me, I always have to give a story. Like you just have to tell them, hey, I was born here. I was living there. This happens, this, that. In the last few years, I've also kind of realized that, come to understand that like maybe not everybody deserves that story. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, not everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And so I've had to kind of learn how to read people. And and because the story is sacred. Yeah. That's, that's holy ground. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, that's one of the things that I really believe in. It's just been a process where I'm trying, still trying to find out like where I fit mm -hmm. into spaces, but but now I'm kind of at this space stage in my life where I'm really owning the fact that uh, that I'm not going to fit anywhere mm -hmm. perfectly. Kind of I'm in this stage where I'm like, you know what, just let's own that, let's own that. So so there are different spheres of my life. You know, you have mm -hmm. the Sri Lankan sphere, then you got the the Christian sphere, then you got the third culture kid sphere there's the uh, tamil sphere so there's different mm -hmm. spheres right mm -hmm. i'm thinking about it in terms of like i'm yes. just trying to give a visual here i used to think that like i fit into one of these things more than these other places but now i'm realizing no if there's a place where i find myself mm -hmm. kind of quote unquote home mm -hmm. it's in between those spaces 
Mm. It's in the gaps between those spaces where I feel like I mm. I I thrive. Uh, I feel like now I can own that space. And so I think in many ways that's allowed me to go uh, that's allowed me to have interactions with with different groups of people that I've realized that other people uh, may not may not have that uh, privilege or that opportunity to have those conversations. Like especially like you to give you an example here. When it comes to racial conversations here in, in the United States and racial tensions are uh, at, at an all-time high, the conversations usually, at least from mainstream media or the conversations that are usually visible are conversations between maybe um, whites and, and blacks, right? Right. It's very binary. It's very, very binary. Yeah. Dualistic, like this or that. Right. So I've realized, you know what? First of all, I, I've come to understand that my worldview is very different from these binary worldviews. And for the longest time, I thought that something was off with me because I couldn't fit into these conversations neatly. So it's not until I kind of own that space of like, you know what, maybe I the place where I really thrive is kind of in the between, but I, mm-hmm. but somewhere, but somewhere close to here somewhere close to there it doesn't i don't it's just mm-hmm. so fluid and so mm-hmm. that's allowed me to have conversations or think or, or at least pose uh think pieces that right. uh, i've realized other people have not or other people have sure. not been able to do in the same way that i have been right. doing in and a so, non-threatening manner in a non-threatening manner i mean mm-hmm. i try as much as possible to do those things um so yeah so i, I right now in, in this in this stage of my life i'm I'm owning that. I'm owning the fact that I don't fit everywhere, but I also fit uh, nowhere, um, and I fit in between. But uh, just just trying to hold on to all those things and just take one step at a time, one moment at a time, and and try to see the stories behind people. A lot of, from what I understand, pastoring to be is a good leader in any spiritual community is someone that can challenge people, and someone that can gently challenge in a loving way and bring up difficult things in a non-threatening manner. Is that something that you've kind of learned from being a pastor or it's something that you've learned from outside? How do those things intersect for you? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a fascinating question. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's probably not an either or question. Maybe it's like an and and both or even uh, there might be other factors to it. Um, I think my parents modeled good constructive, meaningful cross-cultural interactions. I think that's a huge piece in my life. I can't, I cannot think of a time where my parents, they were not uh, abrasive or insensitive or careful during the interactions with the other, quote unquote, the other, whoever the other is. Maybe it's a Buddhist, maybe it's a Muslim, maybe it's an atheist, maybe it's somebody else who's completely different with a completely different worldview maybe than mine. Maybe it's my. an American. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's an American. And so, right. yeah, my parents... They modeled that. My, for my sister and I, it just became intuitive over time because we saw, you know, oh, this is what we do as a, as a family. And so I'm really thankful for that, you know, to be raised in an environment, raised in a space where uh, it was just uh, intuitive. It, it was just kind of the way we do things. And yeah, the pastoral ministry, I think, is definitely has a piece to it too. You know, we, you know, we are trained in the area of just learning how to empathize with people, learning how to step into people's stories, you know, and uh, not everybody does a good job of this. And I'm, I'm also learning how to, how to do a good job in this area. But I think, you know, empathy is, 
it's so crucial and it's a muscle that needs to be trained, you know, just like anything else. And so definitely, I think that's uh, that along with my cross-cultural experience, plus my parents modeling, plus my third culture kid experience. I think all of that somehow, I don't know, you know, <laughs> make something work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit how you bring this into social media. TikTok is, at least from my perspective, and maybe from yours as well, being on TikTok has got to be one of the most shallow spaces ever. And the medium sets itself up a little bit for that because of the kind of feedback that you get from people. And it really takes some effort to create meaningful, deep content on a platform that's just so used to immediately judging someone or something by a one second visual cue. What's kind of been your strategy for creating this really meaningful, deep content on a platform that's can be a little volatile towards that stuff? Again, in many ways, I'm still trying to figure out ways of ways to communicate that. And the fact that you think that I do that, you know, <laughs> I receive that and I'm really humbled by that. But I also understand what you're saying, you know, because like whenever I scroll on TikTok, you know, and go through my For You page, it's just, I don't know what world I'm in right now. <laughs> and I totally get that. And, and that's, you know, when I got into TikTok, when I, when I, my first exposure to TikTok was somewhere in December of 2019, where some of my kids from my youth group were sharing memes and sharing videos. And at the time I thought that was like another substitute, uh, another app like Vine. I don't know if you remember Vine. So when I, so when TikTok became, started to show up on my, on my, on my feed, I thought, oh, it's going to be another Vine. And so my immediate reaction was, okay, it's going to die. You know, this thing. But I looked up, I, I, I got the app and I looked it up and I was like, oh, Okay, I, I immediately no, saw how this can actually mm-hmm. be very viral, go be very addictive to people, just because of the way the app was structured yes. and the way the whole thing was set up was just it, it was just geared for consumption, consumption and like compulsive consumption. And so at the time, I was creating stuff on YouTube, and so I was just like, I have no time to get on another thing, so I just buy. But I had the app. I think it was during. February or January, I was making some chai at, uh, and recording that process uh, through my Instagram. And I've been doing this pretty consistently on Instagram, where I just kind of use my Instagram stories to record the experience. And then one day I just decided, you know what, let me just stitch up the stories, make a quick one minute video, put a voiceover over it and just put it on TikTok and see what happens. Till date, it's one of the worst videos that I've ever made in terms of quality. <laughs> um yeah it's like i look back and i'm like yeah it's one of the first videos yeah but that but that's the thing that's got the whole that got everything started that video went viral and yeah within at the time i had about like 100 followers and then that video went viral within a week i had ten thousand, and i was just like what just happened here and so that immediately piqued my interest i was like wait a second so the organic reach of this app is incredible. And these were not bots. These were real people who were following me. And so I quickly went on Instagram. I put a screenshot of, of like the 10K thing. And I was like, is there anybody on TikTok? Like, do you th- is this? And I, like crickets. Nobody at the time was like, oh, that's cool, <laughs> you know. 
And I was just like, wait a second. Wait, people are not paying attention to this. So I just decided to just experiment with that type of content. So it was fast-paced, chai content. And uh, reading the comments, people were just like, they really gravitated towards the chai for sure. Because at the time, there was nobody mm-hmm. making chai content. Yeah. It was just me. I was literally the only person yeah. making like exclusively chai-based content. But I think a lot of people start to say stuff like the vibes. Like, <laughs> I really like to be here. Like, this is like a place where I want to just kind of chill. Uh, I want to meet with you. I want to have chai with you. Like, we can, we can have, I feel like you can have, I can have a conversation with you and things like that. And I was just really humbled by all of that. But, and then the turning point for me was messing around with the duet feature. Yeah. I started to duet videos of pe- other people making chat. Uh-huh. And they were, and most of them were not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were not good at right. all. But for me, but for me, the fact that someone saw my video and they tried to make it. For me, that was just that, that's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like you, you took time out of your day to make something, and even tag me in that. For me, that's just a sincere act of love, and so that really inspired my attitude towards the people who are making it. I was like, "Okay, hey, wow!" Instead of tearing you down, let me see how I can, I guess, you know, encourage you to do more of the stuff while also telling you how to do, you know, things mm-hmm. better. That those duets took off quite quite a bit i mean i mean i started to get people saying things like can you please look into the camera and say things are going to be okay wow you know um you don't worry about don't worry about it just like actually wow. give me actual scripts to say and i just realized that there was such a thirst and a need for a meaningful expression of care on yeah. tiktok and so um, I don't think I manufactured anything. I was just like, okay, well, you know, if this is what you want, if this is what's going to make you feel a little, you know, maybe seen or maybe feel a little heard, uh, that's what I'll do. And so over time, you know, we have this community of almost 200,000 people. It's crazy of chai loving humans. But I'm also realizing most of them are not just here for the chai. I think mm-hmm. I think most of them, are, a good portion of them are also here for the stories. And yeah. they want to, that they want language or vocabulary or expression to to be able to describe their own feelings and their thoughts about stuff and so i think a good portion of them try to seem to get that from from my stories mm-hmm. and so so those are some of the thinkings the thoughts thought processes that that goes into my content um, i'd like to use chai as a medium for storytelling um, because chai invites mm-hmm. conversation uh, I I use it to talk about things I value the most, things like you know community and hospitality and culture and worldview and meaning and things like that. I mean, you know this, you know, when we have chai, you invite people and you just and it's just yeah. a disarming presence. Like mm-hmm. nobody's on guard. It's just like we're just drinking tea and we're having a conversation. And so that's kind of the vibe that I wanted to create, at least on my little corner of TikTok, which I couldn't find much of mm-hmm. during that time now there's a lot of people who are doing similar type of content which i'm really grateful for yeah so that's kind of some of the pro- thought process that goes into making uh, my content mm-hmm. yeah I, I i definitely see how there, there's a certain vibe on tiktok and um you you kind of have figured out a way to divert that into a more positive and like you said safe space for people to 
engage with you and engage with just a presence that's that's accepting and empathetic and not going to tear you down because I think that's what TikTok is basically all about is let's go let's just see how many you know how much how we can tear people down uh even for the most yeah yeah and and it's hard I think to be vulnerable in that space and you've done that really well like being vulnerable being I think that is the that is the the fear of anyone on TikTok is that people are going to destroy you <laughs> for anything you share that's vulnerable that doesn't right. fit this persona of what you've created on online. And, and um, yeah, I just appreciate you and appreciate what you do there because it is a huge need for people to have that empathetic presence and, and someone that's going to like even speak into their lives and build into their lives without actually being able to sit down face to face. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that, uh, Jessica. You know, it's again, it's something that I'm just trying to get better at, uh, but it's hard. It's really, really hard. Like, uh, you know, I one of the things that I told myself earlier on was, okay, I'm not going to get into sure. controversial stuff on my TikTok. I'm just going to be this, you know, little little sage, little guy on the side on TikTok, little Uncle Iro, uh, Uncle Chiro, you know, if you're familiar with Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, uh, just... Just, you know, bring the good vibes. But I then quickly realized there were things that I was mad about. There were things that actually that I wanted to speak about. And, you know, for example, I, I'm, I'm very connected to what's happening in Sri Lanka. And there was a there's some discriminatory laws that were passed in Sri Lanka against Muslims. I have a ton of Muslim friends. And... And I, and when I was looking at the news and I was just like, wait a second, this is not right. And so I quickly reached out to some activists who are, you know, boots on the ground and just asked them, hey, is there anything I can do from my end? Like, I think I have a platform here and is there anything um, that I can do to help? And this person reached out to me. She's a good friend. She's a friend through online. She said, well, you know, if you want to, you can... You know, we. Uh, this is what's happening. Why don't you make maybe, maybe go make a script on um, on what's happening right now, and come back to me and we can work on the script together because language is important. And so I was going back and forth this person through my Instagram DMs trying to work out a script. And the the goal of the script was to create awareness, to spread awareness of what's happening in Sri Lanka. And so I did the script and then she came up with this amazing idea. She said, well, there is a tea recipe that's only used by Muslims or certain Muslim, a certain Muslim group in Sri Lanka. So what if you actually made that recipe and talk about what's happening? That was just a light bulb moment for me because I was like, that's brilliant. So I went, that's exactly what I did. Did the recipe, did the talk. Um, it's on yeah, my TikTok. I see now. And that thing went viral and you know it was about sri lankan men and tea and that that was kind of a turning point in my in my thinking about the content because well if if you're really caring about people if you really want to be empathetic about people part of empathy also involves calling stuff out calling things that dehumanize call things that fragment calling things that hurt people um and this was very this was very uh, hard for me as a third culture kid because as a TCK, I don't know about you, mm. but for me, I am so mm -hmm. conf conflict averse. You don't, you mm -hmm. want to fit in. You want to just kind of, you know, 
blend in you want your cultural chameleon and so for me to even take a stand it was so hard for me and so but but seeing those things mm-hmm. really made me th- rethink my strategy of just being a safe space so now i'm thinking my spa- mm-hmm. my my place not that's not not necessarily as a safe place but more of a sincere place mm-hmm. um where i want to bring my authentic self want to bring the message and it may yeah. not be comfortable for you most of them stuff most of most of the stuff may actually be comfortable and i'm not but i just want you to know that i'm not out here to break you down like i'm not out here to tear you to pieces i'm just here to you know if 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 uh, to bring you yeah. uh, an expression of care but that expression of care might not look like care mm-hmm. sometimes and that's okay but i know why i'm doing what i'm doing and so i've also had to kind of have that like shift in my mind right now um and so again how, does that make me like an activist i don't i don't know i don't think you know i'm not even thinking about it in terms of activism but again i see this tribe as a tribe that um uh, for me i believe god has called me mm-hmm. to nurture and nourish it's an opportunity for me to serve those things really inform mm-hmm. my decisions of what i post and why i post where i post well said i just thinking about it as I, if everybody on tiktok thought about about <laughs> actually investing into the people that follow them or actually encouraging the people that follow them or posting things which are not self-serving but actually engaging people on a different level what a different place it would be <laughs> um and uh but i'm i'm really glad for mm-hmm. what you're doing and mm-hmm. how you like you said nurture the the people who are who are in your community i want to talk a little bit about what you're up to nowadays you mentioned that you're writing a book and you just got a book deal so can you tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah it's crazy uh i was contacted by a literary agent sometime in the middle of last year who found out about me through tiktok and she said tell me everything about what's happening and so i gave her the whole rundown and she at the end of the conversation she said i think you have a book here and i was just like wait what it's like yeah, there's a book here what what i want you to do is just to go back to your drawing board and try to see figure out if you can write a book Yeah. And well, what type of book you want to write? Uh-huh. First time I even considered the idea of writing a book on chai. Like it went from just a hobby to this and I was just like this is insane. So that's what I did. I went and and I just did some quick uh scratch notes on a pop potential book. Mm. They called it The Way of Chai. Mm. And so it's going to be a Uh I think it's like a 15 yeah. chapter book where each chapter is a breakdown of the chai process all the way from leaf to sip um just all the way like we're talking about the heat the pour the milk the just just breakdown of that but then using the using that particular process of the chai making process as uh a springboard into a kind of a philosophical conversation about yeah. life. Great. Uh so that's that's kind of that's the vibe that you're going for. It's like not a coffee table book but like a chai table book. Yes. Um so something that like people can just sip their chai and then like read a like, little little paragraph or a story mm-hmm. or not. And it's like so, a devotional. It's like a yeah. it's like it's like a chai devotional for 
everyone for everybody yeah <laughs> i love it yeah it's like a it's like a chai devotional for everybody it's not religious it's uh it's definitely going to be informed by my worldview sure. but it's but i'm wanting to wanting it to be more descriptive yeah. rather than prescriptive mm-hmm. um and uh the goal is for people to i'm hoping the hope the hope is for people to read it and just kind of take an introspective look into their lives yeah. um because i'm going to talk about things like slowing down things like uh pausing mm-hmm. things like uh the beauty of your story and so many different different concepts yeah. packaged in these and using chai as kind of an allegory or a metaphor mm-hmm. to actually uh to have these conversations so that's that's what we're going for uh, i'm in the process of writing the awesome. book it'll be done hopefully well not hopefully i have to get it done by the end of this year um and it won't be in print till i believe the middle of yeah. next year middle of 2022 so somewhere around that we'll keep you posted people want to know more about that you know just follow me on tiktok and go follow me on instagram and you'll get yes. updates <laughs> yeah that is the next question where can people find you find you at cross cultural christian on tiktok instagram you have a website yeah so it's cross culture christian one cross word culture christian yeah cross culture christian one word no spaces uh, i do have a website there's an instagram there's a tiktok and so if you want to have a con- yeah if you want to chat with me i'm usually active on instagram uh but you can also mm-hmm. mail me through my website yeah so that's where i'm at cross culture christian mhm cool now i want to do a little quiz to close us here okay a few things about chai have you ever had kulhar chai kulhar chai i don't know if they have this in sri lanka it's like in a clay in a little clay like, pot right yes okay i have a clay pot i have a kulhar with me i got it made by somebody so i have it but so i've had chai in my kulhar so i don't know if that's the same thing oh, as yes. kulhar chai but i have have had it yeah for sure i think the process of kulhar chai is 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 slightly different than what they different. typically make in on the street but it is yeah has involves the clay pot all right here's another one yeah yeah, yeah. have you had the pink chai that is served during ramadan oh i think is that so that's different from the kashmiri chai right it's the, no it it is the same the pink kashmiri chai so i've been wanting to make it i've, I've been wanting to actually do my own take on the kashmiri uh-huh. chai but i haven't tried it yeah is that the one they actually use like baking soda in it i i've never made it but i mean i i we always yeah. go and we have it during ramadan in our city here in bihar because in the in the certain area that's more like the muslim quarter they during ramadan yeah. it's just lit up i mean you can buy all these amazing sweets and then the the pink chai the kashmiri chai as well we always go i've there. been wanting to try it like actually there's a friend of mine here on on tiktok you know his name is saud he goes by the name chai okay. guy that's his thing so um that he he just makes it all the time i've been wanting to make that actually it looks so good it's very good it's the one chai that i'll break my no caffeine thing to like actually just drink wow. and then i suffer the consequences wow <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. Cool. Well, again, Kevin, I'm just really glad to talk to you finally and just hearing hearing your story and hearing how you're not trying to like change the space of TikTok, but just, you know, have a corner where that's a safe space for people. And so I I really appreciate that and I know I have enjoyed the vibe hanging hanging in your space as well. I cannot wait to <laughs> 
read the way of chai that's going to be epic and um yeah for anyone else that's that's you just hearing about for the first time definitely check out his stuff thank you so much jessica thank you for this wonderful opportunity it's uh, it's always cool to like see creators face to face you know because you they they go from being like pixels on a screen to like you know real human so yeah keep up We're the good work on a screen that's I true guess, yeah. But- yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, keep up the good work. I think you're doing some really meaningful work. I think you are, um, you're breaking some, you're breaking barriers with what you're doing. You are, you're teaching people how to meaningfully interact with the other. And I think in a culture where, you know, there's just so much polarization and yeah. there's so little nuance, uh, so much stereotyping and caricaturing uh, I think you know you are definitely a breath of fresh air. So just keep what you keep doing what you're doing, and I know it's probably not easy um, being there. Uh, but uh, I think you've, at least from what I've seen so far, I think you're you're doing a really good job of just again owning that space, loving the people around you, loving the culture, and just uh, in the process not losing your individuality. Mm. I think that's really key, and um, I think that's you're doing a good job. So keep up the good work. Thanks for that. Thank you. All right. Till next time. Thanks, everyone. Absolutely. If you're really excited about the show, I would suggest that you go onto our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash invisible India. And there are different levels where you can contribute to our podcast. As you know, this you don't necessarily get paid for doing a podcast. And so this is a way that you can support our show and get access to information and also help us to make decisions about the show like naming things and giving us inputs on the show that we definitely take to heart and put into things so uh, go ahead and join our patreon community we just had a new person sign up craig so thanks craig i just want to give you a shout out for joining us on our elite level. Woohoo! What happens when you join on Patreon is you get additional content, you get direct access with us, and you can basically guarantee to get a response from us. One thing that I also do, especially with the higher levels, is I provide specific recommendations for anything from learning Hindi, or if you're a business person in India, uh, sending special resources that I've come to know of, of my journey of working in both the nonprofit world and in the IT world in India. So yeah, go ahead and check us out on Patreon and we would certainly appreciate your support there. The lowest level is something like $3 and goes up to 15 bucks.